Okay, good morning. I'm going to let you go ahead and finish getting your coffee and goodies. Uh, before we dive into our Bible class today, a uh, couple of things. I was just informed that last week in the announcements, there was a typo about Ash Wednesday. So let me just tell you what's happening at Ash Wednesday, which is the same thing we do every year on Ash Wednesday, okay? So Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday, starting at quarter till 7. We will offer imposition of ashes for those who want it. If you're not an ash person, that's perfectly okay. Okay? It's not a law. Uh, the ashes remind us of the passage from Genesis, from dust you are into dust you shall return. Simply tells us that our bodies are sinful, and because of that, we'll die. But we take those ashes and we make them in the sign of the cross. Because Christ, our Lord and Savior, has redeemed, smack yourself in the head, this body. Smack yourself again. And this body will rise again just as his body did. Okay? So it's kind of a law and gospel sort of thing. The ashes do not do anything. They're not sacramental. If you're going to get the ashes, you can go parade them around your neighborhood or Kroger or Meyer. Don't get them. That's not the point, okay? Not the point to, to show how pious we are as Christians, just one of the long-standing traditions. If you don't like the ashes on your forehead, you can hold out your hand and we'll put them on there, okay? Um, and it's olive oil is all it is, uh, which is very historical in Scripture and history, uh, mixed with some uh, palm branches that have been burnt to ash. Okay, that's it. Uh, Wednesday, then, will also be... Uh, uh, service of the sacrament, so we'll have the Lord's Supper Wednesday night. And I think that's what was the typo, was I think it said something like catechism service. So, Ash Wednesday. Now, on that note, if you haven't already, make sure you go to your member mailbox, and there are two things that have been placed in your member mailbox. If you're a new member and don't have a member mailbox, compla complain to me and I'll make sure you get what you need, okay? One is a Lenten devotion, Okay. Uh, we've been doing this now for, well, this would be yeah, a year, year and a half. So uh, that way we're all kind of studying together kind of the same material. I know many of you have your own devotions. These aren't very long. Uh, but our theme this year is Eyes on Jesus, 40 Days of Devotions. We also, new this year, are providing, and this takes me back to when I was a kid. We used to have an Advent and a Lent calendar uh, that we could kind of cross off and use, put it on your fridge, uh, by your bathroom sink, whatever you need. There's a Bible reading for each day, especially helpful for children and for youth, okay? So you've got a calendar and a devotion booklet in your member mailbox. Ash Wednesday, there is a Mexican meal, I'm told, this Wednesday. Sign-up sheet to help with that. Uh, so uh, check that out. And we have a wonderful speaker here today for a couple of minutes, our own chairman, Mr. Chuck Long. Give him a round welcome, will you? Okay, hopefully it'll be much less than two minutes. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, just a couple of brief announcements. Uh, first off, uh, coffee and donuts sign-up sheet. We'll pass that around. Uh, many hands make easy work. I'd encourage you to sign up maybe even once or twice a year kind of thing is all it would take. Uh, and if you have any questions or like somebody to take you through the routine. Uh, Denise and I would be happy to do that uh, if you just let us know. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward once you've done it, and it's a half-hour commitment before, half-hour commitment after, 
And so I appreciate you, uh, cons your consideration for that. Uh, second announcement, we're, we have the, we're being blessed with a choir coming from out of state, I believe, Kentucky. That's Actually, going they're, for, they're from Detroit. Detroit. But they'll be on a choir tour, and their last stop is in Kentucky before they get here. Okay, thanks for that correction. No yeah. So they'll be here uh, at the services on the 22nd, and so we need people to uh, host them for the evening before so that they'd be coming in the evening of the 21st, Saturday night. I believe we could pick them up at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, and then you would host them for the evening. You would get two, uh, either two ladies or two gentlemen that would be staying with you, and you'd you know, feed them breakfast in the morning and then uh, uh, bring them for the first service. So there's a sign-up for that out in the narthex of the church. So that's all I have. Thank you. And they're high school students, so they, they live on caffeine and sugar, just so you know. Um, so, yeah, sign-up sheets in the narthex. If you prefer males or females, put that on the sign-up sheet. Uh, we've got, I think, 55 high school youth that we need to house, and I'm counting on you to help out, okay? So I stepped out and said, we can do this. And we haven't done this in a while. So if you're able to host two, four, six, eight, whatever, we'll appreciate whatever you can do. Okay? Ooh, I made a little jingle. Okay, any other questions or announcements that I missed? I want to welcome, uh, we've got a, a few uh, new members, uh, transfers in. So they're all longtime Missouri Synod uh, members. Uh, where is uh, Miss Virginia? How do you pronounce your last name again? Dig. See, I was going to say Deeg. I'm glad I asked you that. Miss Virginia Dig, if you want to stand up. Uh, she has joined our congregation here this last year and uh, is, uh, let's see, you're done with school, you're working, you've got a boyfriend down in Texas. She, oh, he moved. Oh, excellent. Okay. Welcome. Uh, so she'll be renewing her confirmation vows, so uh, make sure you say hi to her and welcome her as well. And we've got Tom and Nancy Bussing as well. Uh, Bill, shoot, Tom, Tom, Bill, George, <laughs> Bill and Nancy Bussing, uh, pardon your pastor's brain, uh, transfer uh, back home to Indiana, which is kind of home for them, been on the East Coast, uh, so uh, please uh, welcome them as well. Uh, good to have uh, the three of you with us, and uh, so you notice the fellowship uh, board has been doing a good job taking pictures of people, so as you see some of the new folks, go over and look on the board in the narthex, seek them out. Ask them how they're doing, okay? Ask them what their fav favorite color is, favorite restaurant, favorite sports team, whatever you want. Just, just get to know them, okay? Uh, that, that's part of, uh, of being a family and a body of Christ, okay? Any other announcements before we go today? We've, had, uh, we've got a lot of pregnant ladies in the congregation. Keep them in your prayers. That's a wonderful gift. We've also had a lot of deaths of um, uh, not necessarily members, but uh, family of members. So please keep those in your prayers. So we're reminded always in the midst of, of death, there is always life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, We are on chapter 8 of The Saving Truth, Doctrine for Lay People. So we're finishing up slowly but surely this book by uh, Professor Kurt E. Marquardt, uh, who now rests with the saints in heaven. And uh, we appreciate his good words as we have uh, learned under his tutelage in the words of Holy Scripture. Let's begin. The Lord be with you. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 
So chapter 8 is One Holy Church on Earth and in Heaven. Subtitle for today is Family Ties. That was kind of a fun little TV sitcom back in the day. That's not what it's about. Christian faith is deeply personal, yet never a private affair just between me and God. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. My faith is between me and God. Surely you've heard that. Yeah, just 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 personal. And so, you know, within Christianity, um, and, and I'm not going to get into some of the history of the Christian church, but this concept of this personal relationship with Jesus completely misses the boat that, 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 that faith is, is, is never just a private affair. Certainly do you have kind of this, this and it kind of makes me cringe and gives me the heebie-jeebies to say kind of this, this personal relationship, okay? It's always part of being the body of Christ, which is why Paul talks about being part of the body, head, arms, thumbs, right? Head, head and tolder, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, you know that one? So that's what the body of Christ, what church and what faith is really about. So he who sets the lonely in families, that's Psalm 68, makes his Christians into a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, God's own people, and let's read Ephesians 2, 19 together, members of his household. So this emphasis over and over again is part of being a household. Okay? Never just independent, if you will. Christians are not footloose individuals, but a holy family. Matthew 14, 28 to 50 and 19 to 29. 1 Peter 2, 17, a brotherhood. Okay? Think of the Lord's Prayer as Jesus teaches us to pray. He doesn't say, my Father who art in heaven. He says, our Father who art in heaven. So if English had kept the distinction between thou, which I prefer, but... Anyway, that's another discussion between thou for the singular and you for the plural. It would be clear at a glance to every reader of the New Testament that the Lord and his apostles almost always address us as the body of believers, not simply me individually. So if you pay attention as you're reading and studying both Old Testament and New Testament, okay, um, and, and then th this is why... <laughs> Even though I was kind of raised in the Missouri Synod praise song environment, right? Um, <laughs> one of the things that I slowly realized was how often I was using the word I and me and this kind of whole focus, right? Some of you might like to listen to, to, to Christian kind of praise music on the radio. And to be fair, there's some good content to it. Uh, but uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller years ago put together what was called a praise song cruncher. And it's still available online if you go and look at it. And it lists kind of a few things of what to look for when you hear, and not just a song, but a hymn. What's the context? What's the focus? Where's the starting point? And one of the simple questions that he asks, as we always should, is, is how often is it just first person? You know, I, me, whether it's singular or plural, we... Um, and so is the emphasis where it needs to be, or is it misplaced? Now, for other Christians, that's part of their theology, that it starts with you. You have to do this. You have to make a decision. And so everything is, is very subjective in that sense. But when we look at Scripture, um, we understand this to be objective justification. Okay, Save for the sake of Christ, by grace, through faith, not on account of yourselves. Right? Not by works. 
So, so what must I do to be saved? Well, if you're going to ask that question, Jesus tells you. <laughs> what does he say to the rich young lawyer? Do you know the commandments? What does the Bible say? Oh, the rich young lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus says, well, if you think you can save yourself, go ahead and do that. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, raise your hand if you think you can do either of those two things. Oh, so none of you need to see Pastor this week. That's good. Okay. Pastor Grady, by the way, is up at Fort Wayne with our 7th and 8th grade students. Um, One of the things we decided to start this year was taking our 7th and 8th grade students on a confirmation retreat uh, over the weekend to get them together for fellowship, provide some teaching. Uh, So they're worshiping this morning, I believe, at the chapel there on campus or at another church. Um, And so he's up there uh, with uh, all those uh, preteens and teenagers. Pray for him, would you? So he'll be good. I'm going to give him a day or two off this week, poor guy. But he, 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 he loves the youth and does a good job with them, okay? But it, it, it's, it's our, okay? Uh, we are in fellowship together, okay? So the Bible does not treat people as so many separate atoms, each on a private quest for identity or fulfillment. As there is a solidarity in sin, right? All have sinned, A-L-L, and fallen short of the glory of God. So there is a solidarity in salvation. Who did Jesus die for? All people, not just the ones who have accepted or who have done this, okay? So we kind of forget that uh, as well, okay? Um, So there's a solidarity of salvation. From Adam, the first man, we have inherited sin and death, but in Christ, the second Adam, we are a new human race living with God forever, okay? Are you a new human race now? Yes, you are. Now, you have this great gift in jars of clay, correct? But you are a new creation right now, okay? And sometimes Christians misunderstand this, that that there's this, (laughs) you know, kind of of waiting. And, And to be fair, the resurrection is about the resurrection of your flesh. But God now has gifted, infused you with all he is right now, which is why it's so important that your very body and soul is clothed with the righteousness of holy baptism, fed and strengthened with his word and with his sacraments, the means of grace. Okay, So this new humanity now is the church, and far from being an optional little extra to be faced perhaps after one has, quote, come to know Jesus personally, the church is in fact quite central to the doctrine and practice of Christianity. Now think to a baptism. We've got a few baptisms and we'll have a few more coming up soon. Has it ever struck you as odd some of the questions that get asked when we start the service at the back of the church? Do you know what some of those questions are? We look at the little baby and we say, do you believe? And the little baby (laughs) poops their pants. No. (laughs) Or Or might be sleeping. Or might be screaming their fool head off, right? And mom's all embarrassed, you know, kind of shush the baby and all that stuff. And we ask all these questions. We ask the little baby, do you renounce the devil? And not just once, we ask the little baby three times. Well, that's just silly. How can we expect a little baby to answer?
What's the answer? Huh? What? Yes, that's one. There's a better one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who said that? What about all? Oh, you're saying that the faith that has been given to the baby through the hearing of the word is the same faith that you have that renounces the devil? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. It's the same faith. So there, there are not many different types of faith. There's only one faith. And that faith is given from the hearing of God's word, from the, from the, from the giving of that, and in baptism. It's the same faith. And this is exactly what Morcourt is getting at here. Okay? So, so if in the past when you've seen a baptism, that gets you kind of up in arms. Well, the child can't answer for himself or herself yet. Did they receive the same faith or not? Same faith come for the hearing of it? Same faith. And so this, this is a... <laughs> what scripture claims okay and and it, and it gets lost and, and that's why we we continue to identify some of the other false teaching uh, that is that is certainly rampant within the church any questions or comments on that anybody want to tell a joke that make you laugh more than what I did all right so far from being an option a little extra to be faced perhaps after one has come to know Jesus personally, the church is in fact quite central to the doctrine and practice of Christianity. The Jesus of the Bible founded not a loose federation of clubs for the cultivation of private religiosity, and I can kind of hear Marquardt getting riled up here. If you ever listen to him speech or I mean speak or talk, you know, he just kind of kind of starts to starts to build. But a preaching, a teaching a sacrament-dispensing church against which the very gates of hell cannot prevail, Matthew 6.18. So to despise the Lord's church is to despise Him. Let's go to Luke 10, verse 16, please, real quick, Mr. Matthias. Okay? So to despise the Lord's church is to despise Him. So this is why it's so important that uh, we have church, we establish churches, that we do church. Okay? Um, now, I don't know if... She's in here today. I need to I'll apologize Wednesday in Bible class. We had a discussion a couple weeks ago um, about, uh, you know, the Word of God in the divine service. Um, and, and we were kind of talking in two different lengths. One of the comments I had made was, if somebody says that, you know, they're going to bring their offerings to church because they believe that by giving 10% or 20% or whatever, that God is going to financially bless them with even more. That that's why they're giving their offerings. I made the comment, and I would still stand by this, that they shouldn't bring an offering. Why? Why would I say that? That's ridiculous of me, isn't it? We want as much money as we can get. <laughs> What's? <laughs> it's not an offering at that point. Right, it's an investment at that point, okay? Um, and then, then we went on, and this, this is where I, I erred, okay? I'm, I'm just going to admit to you, pastors sometimes get a little, little too far down the track, okay? And I said, well, if someone then, um, you know, so let's, let's take it further, doesn't even believe in, in the Holy Trinity, denies baptism, Lord's Supper, you know, I would simply ask the question, what are you doing in church? Why are you coming? Now, the question should be asked, but should we still invite all people to hear God's word? 
Yeah. So the process of evangelism should always be about the proper, and this is why the content, you know, as you listen to sermons, um, and all of us as pastors have not only good sermons, but bad sermons as well. This is why law and gospel is so important, right? So you should recognize in the sermon your sin. There should be some sort of connection uh, to something you are struggling with, something you've done or left undone. And you should also be given the precious gospel of being taken to the only person and the only place where that sin is absolved, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? So I find it really difficult to have any sort of sermon which really <laughs> isn't about Jesus in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure it'd be a sermon then, right? I mean, you could have Bible lessons, you could have some study, I mean, that sort of thing. Um, but the purpose of a sermon is to convict you of sin and also absolve you of it through Jesus Christ. So we want all to come to that. I was talking with a, 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 a couple, I forget who, and if you remember whoever told me about this, can re- grab me on the way back to the late service, of a church um, that uh, uh, they would, so they'd have the service of the word that would be for all the guests and visitors. This, this is going on right now, okay? Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not sure I like it, so don't think that I'm, I'm like, suggesting we change things, right? But it harkens back to the early church. And so after the service, you know, you have individual, you have the corporate confession, absolution, you have service of the word, okay? Then after the sermon, um, you know, Lord's Prayer, closing prayer, service is over for all those that are there, which would include guests, and they are then dismissed and, you know, whatever. And then the members then do what? This is actually what the early church did. Yeah, uh, have the Lord's Supper. They would have the service of the sacrament. Okay, And that's where the term closed communion comes from in the early church, that that those who were not initiated yet, catechized, catechumen, were actually uh, not part of the service of the sacrament. Okay, Now, I don't see any way you you could really do that today. I really don't. So don't, don't misunderstand why I'm saying this. But I appreciate that there was a pastor in a church who at least said, hey, we want to make sure people hear the word of God, right? Because what's one of the biggest issues, and this is just a connection back to what we talked about last chapter, what's one of the biggest concerns you have about inviting people to church? What's the one thing that you're worried about talking about? Most of you taking communion. Is that fair? If I'm off my rocker, let me know. That's difficult, right, to have that discussion. You, know, you invite a guest to church, and then you say, no soup for you, right? You Seinfeld Nazi soup givers, okay? Some of you have no idea what I just said. Um, and so you're like, well, that's so unfriendly, okay? Um, but, of course, properly understood And this goes back to the faith, this goes back to the family, this goes back to the church. And we want everybody to be part of that family, right? So, so yes, it's hard work. So, I mean, we talk about these things. Okay, do you have the Bible passage up here? You've been waiting on me, haven't you? Luke 10, 16, let's read it together. Jesus said, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So Jesus is saying this to the disciple. This is the first pastor of the church. This is the church itself, right? Uh, and, and thus the importance of publicly reading God's word, okay, preaching God's word, and giving now uh, the logos, the word, in also bread and wine. 
okay? Christ is really there. So when we talk about, quote, real presence, um, that's, a, that's a, an important term. It may not be the best term, um, but, but he is literally there, okay? And the concern, of course, is, is yes, we must be concerned with those who would reject in some way, shape, or form, but we also want to make sure that all have the opportunity while they live to what? Hear that word, to let that word do its work, okay? Questions or comments on any of that? Nobody's got a burr under their saddle? Okay, let's move on. Therefore, bottom page 121, if a person under admonition refuses to listen even to the church, says the Savior, and these are hard words here, you may not like what Jesus says, treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector. Say, oh my. So someone who is um, living in sin, you know, rejecting God's word, and now Jesus gives a process for dealing with that, and that's kind of Matthew 18. Go talk with this person. What does Jesus say? If you see a brother or sister caught in sin, what should you do? Go talk with them. What does society say? <laughs> we don't like having this discussion either. Society says, you're not the boss of me. Don't you point your finger and judge me. Is that not what society says? But you have such love. If you truly love someone, what's your ultimate concern for them? Their eternal salvation. Okay, um, And so you will continue to work with that. Now, Yes, if somebody recognizes their sin, then they stand forgiven before Christ, right? And you as a Christian have the joyful opportunity to share with them, Jesus forgives you. He loves you. He's died for you. You know, you're forgiven. If they're still troubled by their sin, you know, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's why we've got church and pastors as well. But the word is there, and the word is yours. And that, that's what Mark Watt's been teaching. This is the saving truth. And, and God gives it to, to his people beautiful thing, okay? Now, if someone fails to um, not recognize their sin, uh, and this would go along the lines of false teaching, false belief as well, uh, then take two or three others and do what? It's called an intervention, okay? And I've, I've been part of that many times for various reasons, okay? Um, and I've had situations like that that have turned out really, really good where someone has said, wow, you know, I really didn't realize, <laughs> you know, what I was doing. I'm sorry. I want to do better, okay? And I've also had ones where people have said, I can do whatever the H-E double hockey sticks I want, and not you nor God is going to tell me otherwise, okay? Which then leads to the third thing that Jesus says, and people don't like this. This is not Jesus is my boyfriend kind of talk here, Right? Jesus is my best friend. Jesus then says, treat that person as what? A pagan or a tax collector. Meaning they need to recognize the severity of their sin and, and their falsehood and the predicament that they are in. Okay? And, and then that's, that's hard work. Okay? That, that's hard work. But we always need to kind of think through, think through those lens. Anybody have any words of wisdom for us here today? Outside of that. Oh, you're just nodding your heads. Thank you. Thank you very much. Body of Christ right there, people. 
So closely does the Lord identify himself with his church that he asks a persecutor of the church, right? Uh, remember Saul was, was, was training under Gamaliel to be, basically to become the next big head cheese, the big kahuna. I mean, that, that's, that, that was the path that, that Saul, uh, and that would be his, his Hebrew name, Paul is his Greek name, that's the path he was on. We're told that he was there holding everybody's coats as they were throwing rocks and stones at Stephen, okay? The first martyr of the Christian church, okay? That was this guy. He was all about not only rejecting Jesus, but crushing this, this, this Christian nonsense that was taking place, okay? And so Jesus himself goes and confronts Saul with his sin. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Which means at any time that we are, we are sinning, we are succumbing to false teaching, who ultimately is that against? It's against Christ. It's against God. Right? Which is why you might remember from catechism at some point, you might have had a smart pastor tell you that doesn't matter what commandment you've broken, you've always broken the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all. There's that word again, all things. Okay. So the connection, just raise your hand if you've got any comments, words of wisdom. Connection between Christ and his church could not be closer. She is his bride. So there is now an intimacy that comes in a, in a beautiful way between Christ and the church. On the analogy of marriage, these two are one in a way that is, quote, a profound mystery. Okay? And remember the word mystery, mysterion, in Latin is actually the word sacrament. Okay? So remember how the early church and how we would still explain some of these things as well. Okay? And we talk about word and sacrament. There is further a deep interconnection between the church being the temple of God and her being the body of Christ. For his body is that temple which men destroyed, but which he himself raised up again in three days. Remember that story? Jesus said, the temple will be destroyed, and in three days I'll raise it up. And of course, we're told the temple he was talking about was his, was his body. Okay, Physical body, which is now given to you in bread and wine, by the way. Okay, Same body. Unlike all other temples, the temple of the church is built out of living stones. You're, you're a living stone. You're two things at the same time, and this paradox drives people crazy. You're a stone, meaning that you are, you are dead. You, you are lifeless, right? Um, you're, you're just hard as rocks, okay? But yet Christ now comes and gives life. So that you as a stone now, even in your dead body of sin now, have new life. And you, and you cry out. Okay? Think as well, uh, not just of stones, but think of uh, Ezekiel, uh, the valley of the dry bones. Right? And I looked, and I saw, and the bones came together, bone upon bone, and they were knit. The valley of the dry bones. And they, they raised up, and there was life in that which was dead. And so you have life now in you 
even though you also yet live in a body that will come to nothing. Okay? Uh, but it's a beautiful thing. So that's why Scripture talks about the jars of clay and that sort of thing. Okay? All right? I'm trying to bait you a little bit. Nobody has any questions or anything. You're all, you're all like, yep, that's all good. I know all that stuff. I'm smart. Nothing? Okay. Um, his body is that temple. Unlike all other temples, the temple of the church is built out of living stones, and each stone itself is a holy shrine for the triune majesty. And, and th this is just amazing in and of itself, that the Lord now comes and, and takes up, you know, residence within you, okay? And, and that's why it's so important. Pay attention, Leviticus people that are with us on Wednesday mornings. We are the holy priesthood. You are now priests. You can touch the holy things of God. Okay? The, the people in the past could not touch the holy things of God. Only the priest could do the certain things at the altar. Okay? Uh, and there's a process of cleansing and that sort of thing. But, but now you've been cleansed, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ, and, and you're able to stand before the Most High God because of what God in Christ has done for you. So enough has been said to show, next paragraph, that the church comes into being not from below not from any action on your part, but from above. Now think how you've heard that otherwise, or perhaps if you weren't you know, raised Lutheran, of how you were taught about what you need to do to attain to the, to the divine. You know, you, you, you've got you've to do this, and you've got to you know, accept Jesus. It reminds me of the same conversation. I haven't had it yet out here in Indiana uh, with, uh, with Gideons. Are there still Gideons around out here? They were all over in Nebraska, okay? I love Bibles. I'm all about giving Bibles to people. That's great. Okay? But normally when the Gideons show up and they hand me a Bible that they're going to give me, I flip either to the front or the back, depending on which edition it is, and there's something called the sinner's prayer. And I say, no. Can you give me Bibles that don't have that in there? That don't have this, this discussion about I have to make a decision for Jesus or accept him, that I have to do something? Because that's not what Scripture's all about. Oh, by the way, do you have any Bibles with the small catechism in them? What? They don't make those. So they'll give out Bibles with their false theology, telling you what you must do to be saved, that you've got to invite Jesus, that you've got to have a personal relationship, as opposed to just letting him say what he's going to say. Do you see the difference with that? I mean, there is a difference there. Okay? So, yeah. So... Yeah, I'll help them. Oh, we have plain Bibles. I'll take a stack of those, please. <laughs> if they're giving out free Bibles, that's great. But don't add all the other stuff to it that's contrary to God's Word. Okay? You see, see the difference with that? That's, that's false. Okay? And, and what does light have in common with darkness? Does not. Does not. Okay, still trying to bait you. Nobody's going to go after me here yet. All right. I like giving you something to talk about when you go home. So enough has been said to show that the church comes into being not from below but from above. It's all God's work. That is, the church is not a voluntary association of individuals who abandon themselves together for common purposes. It is rather a supernatural creation of God, a beachhead of heaven on earth. And, and that's why the faith now that's given to a little baby and that's given in the baptism is the same thing. And that's why we, we, we do that. To it, people are added by God's power and action as he works through his gospel and sacraments. Right? Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. 
So to become a Christian is to become a member of the church. To abandon Christ's church is to abandon Christianity. Okay? So when you say, I don't, I don't need church, you know, or that, that, that crazy new pastor or so-and-so that, that keeps emailing me or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't be part of that church anymore for this, that, or the other. So I'm going to stop going. Now, there's all sorts of little ways that the devil, the world, and your sinful nature will, will be about trying to get you from coming to this place. Always. And so you need to be aware of those. Okay? You need to be aware of those. Um, and recognize now what God in Christ Jesus is doing. Recognizing your own sinful nature. Okay? Uh, perhaps your own pride. Um, and we all have that. Nobody here is perfect. Okay? Um, but the importance of, of, of what church is and what it gives. And we also need to, or should have a concern for, making sure that other people hear and receive this. How do you do that? Okay? I don't have the answers to all that. Those are things we'll work on together. We're, you know, we're doing behind the scenes. Eric Hubert's doing a great job along with the Feasibility Committee of looking at you know, possible ways. Do we, do we start a school? I don't know. Do we fill in the blank? You know, uh, maybe we have a, a, a free car wash to compete with, uh, what's it called down here? Crew. Yeah. And instead, of, instead of, of charging, they'll be free. But as they come out of the car wash, they've got to sit and listen to a five-minute little sermon. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> you probably have better ideas than I do. But, I mean, you know, I mean, how do, how do we be about, I mean, letting God's Word, you know, do its work, you know, and continuing that. Uh, you know, obviously what we do on Sunday morning is, is, is our focus. Uh, but, but outside, I mean, that's why we, we support other things as well uh, and, do, and do other types of works. Okay, speaking of which, uh, oh, just a little advance uh, notice. Pastor Preuss is going to be back from the Dominican Republic this summer. And so during the same week as VBS... Uh, he will be here to give a presentation. It'll be a Wednesday night, uh, and we'll we'll do we'll do something here in the fellowship hall Wednesday night, so you can hear about what he's doing down the Dominican family. His his family will not be with him. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be spending some time with extended family uh, up in Minnesota, um, and uh, but he'll be here to talk about uh, his his uh, stuff. And then we're gonna try and find some way to give him a little contact or or you know to some of our VBS kids as well. It's not every day you get to m- meet and talk with a real-life overseas foreign missionary, right? Um, and so, you know, and, and our, our theme this year is kind of kind of along those lines of, of jungle, and here he is from the Dominican Republic and that sort of thing. So, so we'll, we'll keep, that, keep that in your thoughts and prayers, okay? Any other questions? You guys are quiet today. That's because Pastor Grady is gone. I'm going to tell him that. So the church is, let's read it together, the mother that begets and bears every Christian through the word of God. Okay, That's from Luther's large catechism, our Lutheran confessions. This remains her divinely given duty and function. It is not as though Christians first found salvation privately, then decided to join together in the church for mutual support. This would make the church far too horizontal, right? This level, okay? too dependent on persons. So the church's main dimension is vertical. As the bride of Christ, she has and she distributes, according to his command, all the rich treasures of salvation he has given her. That's first and foremost who we are as a church. The word and sacrament she administers by his command and institution 
form the river of life from which Christians draw continual renewal, right? So that's the water that Jesus is speaking of to the Samaritan woman who he confronts her with this. The man she's living with is not her husband, nor are the other men who have come before, right? Some people would say, Jesus, keep your nose out of other people's business. But Jesus is concerned for her salvation. And he talks about the water that he wants to give her uh, and that he provides, okay? And that's the water we want to give and provide as well, okay? So the word and sacraments she administers by his command and institution form the river of life from which Christians draw continual renewal, okay? Because you're stones, because you live in sinful bodies. But the Lord breaks into this now and preserves you in both body and soul. Only from these spiritual resources can Christians live and exercise their priesthood, right? So now it's no longer just Aaron and his sons and sons' sons and sons' sons, and it's no, no longer, you know, all are now priests, okay? Of course, that doesn't mean that all are pastors because Christ establishes a new, new office of, of, of pastor, but you're, you're all priests, okay? Uh, let's uh, let's uh, read uh, TLHM 469 together. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken, form thee for his own abode. So there's this constant reminder of the community, the body of Christ, the fellowship of the capital C church of the bride of Christ. Okay? And and, and an increasing um, limitation of speaking of this individuality which is what our society is all about. So on one hand, we've got what society, our world, and our culture teaches us about individual freedom and, and opinion and all this other stuff. And then you've got what Scripture talks about, okay, uh, which is the unity in the body of Christ. So um, often, a couple more paragraphs will be done for a day. One often hears it suggested today that, quote, going to church lacks importance. Churches have outlived their usefulness, Right? I mean, if, if I'm wearing my uniform and I'm, 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 I'm doing my, you know, my work on a daily basis, I mean, I, I have people routinely scoff at me when they see my, me in my uniform. Now, I, I don't know, obviously, what's going through their mind or their heart. I don't, okay? Could be that some pastor, priest at some point wronged them in some way, you know, who knows. But I, I experience that open disdain. I've gotten to the point where, it just doesn't really buy. I used to be really self-conscious when I first kind of came out of seminary, you know, walking around, and I would, I would kind of take my collar off when I was in public. And now I'm just like, you know what? It's what it is. Okay? Um, and, and obviously I don't wear it, you know, all the time. when I'm, You know, it's uniform, so we'll do an official visit, uh, you know, and church stuff. Uh, but there's an importance to what the church is and to let people know that that's part of it. So what matters, people think, is the practice of charity in one's personal life of uh, life and of ethics in business. Okay? This general view, Marquardt says, was well put by a critic who said that Christians going to church reminded him rather of an army that constantly runs about parading and saluting but never carries out orders. No doubt this bitingly entertaining image contains some truth. How self-evident it seems to modern people that church-going amounts to simply a bit of ceremonial icing on the kink, a matter of parading and saluting. Okay? Yeah, that's interesting. Ceremonial icing on the cake. Okay? Seen any of that lately? 
you know, why we do what we do in church should never just because be done because that's the way it was done, right? So if you ever have questions about, I mean, I don't, you, you, I don't care what it is. You're not going to offend me in the least, you know. Why, why do you, you know, pastor, we see you turning this way or, or, or whatever little thing it is in church, okay? Yeah, there are some traditions and customs, but everything we do should always teach or serve some truth. And if you're just doing it because that's the way it's done, right? Those of you that have had kids, you know, you might have had your child come up to you and, why, 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 why? Every other question, you know, and they get to that very inquisitive age, right? Uh, where, you know, they, they've learned kind of the grammar and now they're morphing into this, 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 this kind of uh, uh, logic stage, and, 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 and why, you know, and eventually you get so exasperated at some point, you just say, because that's the way it is. Or that's the way it's always been done, right? Or be, because I said so. <laughs> that's probably the most common one, right? So, yeah, you're a sinner, and that's, you know, you're going to lose your patience at times, but the church must continue to teach, you know, that why and to make those connections, okay? This might indeed, last paragraph, then we'll be done for today. This might indeed be the case if there are no such things as means of grace. And pay attention to what Mark Ward is doing here. If God's word and sacraments really did not do anything, but only served as symbols or reminders of spiritual blessings to be obtained in some other way, then of course church services would amount to little more than religious ceremonialism topped with bits of ethical advice. But if Christ's gospel... And sacraments constitute the very fountain of life and the river of salvation. And if Christians as poor sinners stand in need of these divine mercies, then it becomes quite impossible to maintain a low view of what happens in the church. Belittling church attendance resembles scoffing at automobiles being serviced by saying, cars are made to travel, not to sit in service stations. True. But unless they visit service stations regularly, they cannot fulfill their purpose at all. My son got a really good deal on a car, but it wasn't, it wasn't drivable. We needed to have new struts put on the front end. Now, actually, yeah, he probably could have drove it. But you know what would have happened? Okay, would have broken other stuff. Maybe would have had an accident. But the car needed to be serviced. And so we did that yesterday. We got our, I don't have any grease anymore. I think I got it all off, right? We replaced the front struts on, on the car. And so now he's got a car that's what? It's been serviced, so it can be, yeah, perfect car for a college student, right? Absolutely. But it's got to be serviced. And so now as I'm, as I'm helping him, teaching him how to fix these things, I'm also telling him, you know, it's going to need an oil change, Every three to 5,000 miles, and that costs X amount of dollars. It's your car now. <laughs> you got to, you know, and so he's budgeting for this next year, how much gas he's going to, how much money he's going to need for gas, and, and how much is he going to have to pay back to us for insurance and, and all that other stuff. Are you, you picking all this up now? Now, if he just left it alone, what's going to happen? So it's the same way with you in your body, in your faith, okay? Okay? 
So similarly, and we'll finish with this, church is the indispensable life support system of Christians, not mere window dressing. Thank you, Professor Marquardt. All right, no questions, no rotten fruit. Let's stand and close with Lord's Prayer. Thanks for your attention today. Before we pray as well, uh, uh, Reverend Ed Davis, uh, if, you have, uh, if you're going to late services, assisting us today because Pastor Grady is, is gone. Pastor Davis, thanks for your help today. Greatly appreciate it. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.